What is up, my friends? I hope that you're all having a wonderful day from wherever it is that you're listening to my voice. I made it back from Burning Man last week where I recorded this podcast with C.R. Lynch and Alexandra Snow. This is the second time that they've been on the show. The first time was back in episode number 68. We talked about their origin stories, why they do what they do, blah, blah, blah. Uh, So you can go back and listen to that one once you're done with this one. But a lot of times I think that the second podcasts are better because we can get beyond all of the origin story stuff and go down whatever rabbit holes we want to. And Ciara and Alex are both smart enough and possess the verbal fluidity to do that. Um, So I was really happy with this with this conversation. Um, I I came across a quote recently and it made me think of both of them. It's a Christopher Hitchens quote. (laughs) Bet you didn't think I was going to bring that up right now. Uh, And the quote is, The essence of the independent mind lies not in what it thinks, but how it thinks. Ciara and Alex are both deeply critical thinkers. And my theory is that they are forced to do that because of... They're, they're fucking weird people. The work that they do is strange. Like, you can check them out on Pornhub. They're, they're in these niche fetish porn circles. They're, they're weird. They're straight up weird. I love them. But um, I think that doing that kind of work forces people to um, think more critically about why they do what they do. And they take that kind of thinking and they they exercise that muscle and then they apply that to different sectors of life um and it's awesome it always makes for really fascinating conversation um those are the kinds of people who i like being around just so you can tell them apart this is alexander snow and guess what most people don't want to watch porn that looks like the sex they have you want to watch porn that that ha- that is some form of extreme or some kind of form of fantasy. And this is Ciara Lynch. There's this like sex scene with her, and then after they have sex, she takes a paper towel and like wipes herself. I love that. And uh, Lena Dunham was like part of like you know the the reality of, like that Realism. we all know of if we're like sexually active people. It's like yeah, you know, you kind of have this kind of awkward cleanup period afterwards, but right. you don't see that not only in porn but like movies and stuff as well. Before we get this going, thank you to everyone who donates to this podcast on Patreon. You will not find ads on my show, and that is because of people like you who donate even just a few bucks a month. That's what allows me to keep these guests coming at you every single week. If you can spare a few bucks a month, click the link below this podcast where I wrote, buy me a cup of coffee on Patreon. You can also go to my website, kyle.surf, to donate. That's where I post all my documentaries, all of my uh, written articles. My book club is there, kyle.surf slash book club. Peruse and enjoy. And with that, I bring you two of my favorite humans, Ciara Lynch and Alexandra Snow. Kyle Tierman here. I'm in Cape Town. I was the only journalist in northern Nigeria. Not an adventure until you get lost in Tijuana. You get caught inside by a giant wave, you feel really alone. I love the adventure of waking up and not knowing what will happen and that being my job. I'm standing at a desert oasis right now. A lot of tourists don't see this part of Bali. Smiles and thumbs up. Thumbs up. Lately, I've been having to do, I forget the acronym exactly, because I don't really know about making movies, but like ADR? I don't know. It's, it's, it's basically means like um, I have to come in and, and do clean audio of certain things that did not get clean audio right. before. So I'm at the tail end of this um, movie I've been making for a while, and so the director has been having me come in like, oh, you have to do these lines here and there. And um, it's been it's been pretty easy, but it's been things like, you know, just these random things throughout the movie where I have to, like, moan like I'm having sex, or I have to like say something like really weird. So you and go filthy, into like, a studio and you're like, yeah, like I have my headphones on. I go into like this, or like I had to make this gagging noise at one point, and like, yeah, it's it's all been really silly. Or I have to say something really like fucked up or trashy like I'm gonna <laughs> fuck up your world you know and it's just like this one line <laughs> say it 10 times now yeah so exactly different tone. yeah, so yeah that's yeah. acting yeah. yeah true actor right there 
Maybe, I guess. maybe later in our lives we'll get to uh, the, we'll, we'll get to do voiceovers for for um, cartoons. There's a good movie called I Know That Voice, hmm. and it's all about people who do VO. And the way they talk about it is like it's the best secret kept secret in Hollywood because you can go and be the voice of Bart Simpson or you can be the voice of which is a woman. It's a woman, yeah, yeah. Nancy. Something. Cartwright or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But they're like, it's fucking great because everyone knows the work that we do, but we don't get ambushed everywhere everywhere we go. Yeah. And you'd be amazed at some of these actors, they'll play like ten different characters. Like they'll do the voice of a big black man and then it'll be Bart Simpson. And it's fucking impressive mm-hmm. the range that they employ. It's like a muscle, you know, it's like a bodybuilder uh, exercising their body. They do it with their voice. That oh, makes sense to me. Can I get real for a second? Fuck yeah. What do you guys think about the controversy of Apu that's been going on? Do you know about this? Apu, oh, in uh, The Simpsons. Yeah. And that documentary. Welcome to Wiki Mart. Yeah. No, I don't know about this. Tell me. Oh, okay. So um, there's a documentary that came out by this comedian. Um, fuck, I feel like an asshole that I don't know his name. I really want to give him credit. But the documentary is called The Problem with Apu. And he's an Indian um, American uh, comedian. And he's talking about the fact that, you know, the Apu character is really offensive and racist and it's it gave him a lot of grief growing up as like this, uh, you know, brown kid in America. And that's, By you people know, saying like, welcome to Quickie Yeah, Mark, welcome which to Quickie I probably, Mark. probably shouldn't say because I guess that's offensive. Yeah. Me. And, and uh, apparently the actor who's doing that voice is a white guy. So he's, you know, the, you know, everyone watch documentary and make your own conclusions. But I think the argument to that is. Everyone in The Simpsons is a stereotype. There's groundskeeper Willie, you know, there's Homer Simpson, who's the dumb dad, you know, there's Bart Simpson, who's like the punk kid, and yeah. like, you know, there's lots of just stereotypes, so well, why and, and, necessarily and, and, focus on the Quickie Mart guy? Also because, and also in the sense that he's like, he's a very positive character, like right. he actually goes through a lot of like development, like he gets married, and like, you learn about a lot about the Hindu religion, I mean, not like a ton, I mean, I'm sure you learn more of a textbook, but he, you know, even though he is a bit of a stereotype he's still like a positive character he's like you know one of homer's best friends and all this but, but i don't know but comedy stereotypes are always stereotypes otherwise it's not funny you, you don't think it, comedy can be funny if it's not a stereotype well, well no i'm saying but everyone in that show is a stereotype um, that's what we, we, we talked about before about how how you know comedy has you know it is usually offensive when you're talking about a stereotype and the entire show is based on Right, all the characters are stereotypes. Yeah. yeah, so I don't think I really don't think it's it's that offensive. I mean, I, I feel like I feel like you could take offense to any character in the show if you identified with it. Right. It just all depends on how much that culture has been oppressed. No one's going to take offense to Mr. Burns. Excellent. It's, oh, it's a rich white guy. It's a stereotype right. of the yeah. evil, maniacal millionaire. And, and, and then and, same with like groundskeeper Willie, like right. Scottish people. It's like you know whatever. Like yeah, but, but, but Indian, Indian people in in the United States um, have exercised a, a huge amount of power, especially financial power. And and I, I feel like that that that's not a stereotype. It's sort of not. not a culture that's usually you know regarded as being oppressed um sort of i don't know like so in the documentary he interviews a lot of other um indian american or like southeast asian uh comedians and they all have like a story of when they were young and they were being bullied and made fun of because right. of a poo. Like right. they were throwing like these lines of a poo at them. So it's like they all kind of had this like uh, visceral reaction to it. Yeah, there's a lot of chanting that happens in elementary school. Yeah, like, people get into a circle like a uh, poo, a uh, poo, a uh, poo. It's yeah. really fucked up. It takes really. Some... Oh yeah, there was there was a lot of chanting growing up in in the Santa Cruz surf culture. That was, was big. Looking back on it, it was horrible. Yeah, he's <laughs> just saying one word in unison over and over can destroy a person's so life. So the tragedy of it is like, so there's the importance of representation. Like we should, you know, it's it's important to have um, people that like look like us and sound like us in media and in movies and stuff like that. So if you're an Indian American kid and the only representation you have is Apu, right. which like I said, is not necessarily like a bad character. Like, yeah, he says this line over and over again. And so people kind of like focus on that and might make fun of you for it. But if that's all there is, that can be very frustrating. Like you, th- I don't think it's it's kind of ironic because the name is like the problem with Apu. I don't think the problem is with Apu. I think it's the problem. Yeah, that was that larger. was all. The, yeah. Well, that's yeah. that's yeah. all there was, and it, it, it's not that you need to focus on this character and like vilify it. 
you just need to add more. Right. You know? Yeah, the, the, the cultural representation of like Bollywood and things like that is not as common, I, I think. Right. And if it's not at all common here, like. Yeah, that, that Cause I, have, I have mixed feelings about it. At one time, I'm like, really? Well, like, as, uh, as a white guy, I had plenty of aspirational characters growing up. Yeah. who were complex and who I wanted to be like. There's just there's more white male characters to aspire to than yeah. any other genre. So I can imagine like being a black girl. Mm-hmm. Like and I, so I do think that that is important for people to have aspirations because we see we can see a version of ourselves in them. That's the whole reason that athletes get paid because there are people who want to be like them. Right, right. And, and that's why, like, people talk about how there was a problem with. Uh, was funny. There was a problem with Shaq because he was so big, kids couldn't really uh, aspire to be like him. And you didn't so, identify with, the, with exactly. The guy, the guy so, who so four times your size. Exactly. So someone like Steph Curry is way more aspirational. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, yeah, it's it's crazy that the most marketable thing we can do is put something on another human. Yeah, absolutely. I I I, well, I guess one of the reasons I'm I'm. Um, you're not saying I'm, I'm poo-pooing it, but you're not pooing. Is that you know? I, nice. I, 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 I grew up in the deep south, and um, and I, you know, coming from a um, fairly strong you know, Native American background, um, I, I was the only kid in my class to look like I did, right? And I and and to other parts of the country, um, I still look pretty white, right? But as a kid, I was I was much more dark skinned and black haired, and 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 got a lot of um, a lot of negative you know reactions about it. And there's not that many positive uh, representations of Native Americans growing up for me either. Like I mean, the, the best thing we had was Pocahontas, and even then, even if it's somewhat positive, kids will find any reason to you know. Well, you it's know, still to, to a stereotype. It's a stereotype. But the thing is, is that and the story, the Disney story, is not true to the real story. Absolutely, it's not. But it gave me an opportunity to um, identify that real life and media are not necessarily the same thing and to strive to find real life aspirations. Um, like my, my grandmother sat down with me and had a really long conversation about what it really meant to um, hold your heritage in high regard, right? And, and what it meant to identify. And she goes, it's more important that you identify with you as a person and not with your ethnic background first because your ethnic background may not be the person, like it may, it may have no reflection on really who you are or what you're going to do with your life. Because, you know, the first time going to a reservation and seeing that, you know, there's nothing, there's not much that's really, really magical, at least not, not when I was growing up. Like, people, people really sensationalize what Native Americans look like. And, and the vast majority of, of Native American life um, doesn't look like powwows, doesn't look like, uh, doesn't, doesn't look like, you know, uh, you know, smoking peyote or, you know, having... You know, having these spiritual, you know, retreats and stuff. It looks like having casinos and alcoholism. Yeah. And I know I experienced that very, very early on. And so I was like, nah, you know, this this may be part of my genetic makeup, but is that who I am? Right. And so I think certain types of cultures, um, you know, specifically, I think this happens much more in the African American community, um, find a lot of identity with their culture, and therefore it is easy to point fingers at why that identity is not being upheld. And I feel like if there was more emphasis on individual identity and how to develop that, especially when you're younger, then a lot of these conversations would would be much, you know, much quieter. I agree. And I think the difference is it's important to have representation when you're a kid because you're figuring out who you are um, and what you're capable of doing. And I think like, for instance, like, you know, as a little girl, like, just seeing like the different roles that women play in like movies and stuff like that, um, which isn't too bad, especially it's getting like better and better, but like, Definitely you know, better. there's certain things where, you know, as a little girl, you, you know, you see women doing certain things and not other things. And you just kind of accept that you're just like, Oh, okay. As you know, I'm a girl and that's a woman. And so this is what I can do. And this is what I can't do. I need a man um, to open the pickle jar. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Why not? And, um, so I, I, I think it's important to have that representation as, um, when uh, for kids but when you're an adult you need to you need to shed the whole identity politics things because yeah you, you know you you are an individual and, and you need to grow up and you need to like understand your capabilities and all that and yeah you shouldn't you shouldn't hold too much to your gender or your race or your sexual orientation so how do you do that you are. Is, is it as simple as like you've done that really well you're fucking uh, scuba dive certified 
What was I just t- talking to you about? What are you getting certified in? You're getting your oh, pilot's license? Yeah, my private pilot's license. Yeah. You, like, you have this. Women can't do that. Women can't do that. Actually, part, can't part, fly believe planes. it or not. But, part, part, part but of don't you know? Part of the reason I'm no doing that. No one told you this? Is because women don't do it, right? Like, like honestly, if if I, there, there's a lot of things that I've done in my life that, was, that I realized was kind of counter to the gender stereotype. And I was like, well, fuck it, then I'll do it. You know? So if that, if that stereotype hadn't been there, I may have been less likely to do it. Here's my question, though. Did you not see, like, Amelia Earhart? Did you not see at least one woman who did it and that inspired you? Um, no, I wasn't really inspired by that. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly inspired by her story, but that didn't inspire me to want to get my pilot's license. I was more inspired by the... No, I was I was inspired by like the the I honestly wasn't wasn't a dream of mine um, up until just recently when I realized that it could give, provide me the freedom to to go to places that I wanted to go. Right. Well, and you're a grown woman too. You got to a point where there's no nothing that you're like oh I can't do this because I'm a woman. Well, actually, that, that's a really good uh, conversation. Um, uh, I was talking to someone about uh, when we're younger that we have heroes, right? And um, uh, I very distinctly never had any any like large scale heroes when I was growing up um, and I think a lot of it came from you know like like my grandmother was a huge influence in my life um, and so probably the closest thing I have to an external hero but she said don't make heroes out of other people people are are fallible you know like they're 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 flawed and if you hold someone to, to a high standard and then they fail then you're going to identify some part of you is failing because you help them up that high and and she's like so it's much better time it was just it was her, her, her way of basically saying you know don't um don't idolize people and um, that kind of stuck with me because I, you know, I, I hear people talk about like some of their, their great heroes and I should you know, ask you about, about both of your, your heroes and, um, and I listen to these stories and I'm like, wow, that, that's a really cool thing. But I, I did had, I had no context with any of that. And, you know, like I had no, I have no real connection to it. Um, and instead my grandmother was kind of, you know, actually I think that the closest thing I had was I did gymnastics when I was little and, um, I, uh, oh gosh, what was her name? Who was the gymnast who got shafted out of the Olympic medal? Um, Tanya uh, Harding? Uh, no, no, she was, she was a figure <laughs> skater. No, no, she was a figure skater. Um, it was, oh. no, it was sa- sa- same, same, same time. Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> yeah, good job. Uh, anyway, there, there, there was Tom there was, Cruise. <laughs> you're just you're just the best. Pocahontas. Um, <laughs> many haha. Um, okay. No, so so, so there, was, there, was, there was I forget, I forget her name. Cal Tierman. <laughs> um, and and I and I came to her and I was like I was watching the Olympics and and you know they were talking about her story and I was like oh I really that, wow she's really she's really amazing I think she was you know Eastern European and had this you know like kind of rags to riches story about you know what uh, what you know gymnastics had done and my grandmother like sat me down and she was like you know it's amazing to see where this person has come from and you should also try to strive for, for far more than your roots but that person is a person you know they're not they're, they're not they're not a greater than uh, than than anyone else and I don't know that that really resonated with me for so long and so even now in my life when I meet celebrities or you know anyone who's who's well known in this or that or the other thing I have never gotten starry-eyed over anyone I'm always like oh you're a person first and it's impressive to hear what they've done but it's more impressive to understand why they did it and what it means to them and what they're what they're trying to accomplish with it and to see you know how they interact with with the rest of uh rest of people but anyway um what what, I want to hear about both of your heroes though yeah well I think that that's also a really good point as to why famous people get so fucked up is because people idolize them they did something maybe they just fell into the right situation at the right time and then all of a sudden people idolize this event that is receding away from them so their identity is so far from where people hold them up to oh yeah then they're just trying to claw back to it and it's like the harder you hold on to it the harder famous people hold on to it the more the the fucking bigger the fall is. Oh yeah, so like the only famous people I know who aren't fucked up are the people who are just like, yeah, that's cool, it's something I did, and they just let it go like a lily pad into the lake. Oh, absolutely. So like 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 the 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 you know guy that I um I was just recently in a relationship with, um, you know he had he had something extraordinary you know happen to him when he was younger and uh, and had some fame and notoriety because of it, and he's basically done nothing else in his life since then, and he talks about it. You know, and it's like it's like move on. Like you, you, you did that was it was a long, long time ago. And I I think that uh, that kind of stuff really does does affect someone's psyche because it's like, you know, they, they they're like, oh well, but I did the thing, and then okay, well they'll tell me how good I am because I did the thing, and you're like, okay, yeah, well 
what about now? What are you doing now? I was thinking about this recently in the age of Instagram models. You get these 21-year-old girls with 10 million followers. I bet you some of them are just cataloging photos for like the next 10 years to come. So they're never going to age. They're just going to be 21 for the next 10 years. We do this. And then I was thinking like, fuck, I'm a pro surfer. I'm just going to get a bunch of photos of me like now. And I'm going to be like 40 years old, still looking 28. Because you can do that with athletes now. You don't even need to be good at the sport anymore. You can That's just true. fucking keep posting photos of yourself. The only thing is, like, if you're really smart and uh, have a lot of uh, grit, you'll Integrity. do that. Yeah. And 21-year-olds don't have a lot of that. Like, right. You know, it's, it's one of those things, like... Speak for yourself. It's, um, yeah, because you're 21. Um, so, like, the older you get, faster time goes, right? So, to a 21-year-old, like, if you get a lot of that, like, 10 million Instagram fame... You, you almost think like it's it's not going to end anytime soon, you know, so you mm-hmm. don't really you don't really plan ahead as much. Whereas like, does that make sense? What I'm saying? Like, yeah. so like when you get older and it seems like time's going back very quickly, then you're more inclined to like, shit, I need to like stock up what I'm doing. Yeah. But yeah. so yeah. what do you do? Always look forward and, and minimize your accomplishments. Um, I it's really funny. I, I've had I've had this conversation um, uh, in various different forms a lot in the in the last year um, is that um, I am a compulsive overachiever uh, you know hence the like I'm gonna get certified and everything because you know it sounds like you know like fun to do but like I have I've every time I've achieved anything in my life I never I never sit on any of my laurels like I never I, I don't really celebrate my achievements I'm always like okay I did this thing now then there's another thing to go do and um, this in of itself is 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 actually not a good thing to do you should you should have them in balance you should you know be looking for it as well as celebrating the things that you've done um, as long as you know you don't have your ego too much wrapped up in it um, but yeah I, I feel like um, I'm always trying to conceptualize what's the next the next thing and the older I've gotten the more reach is important to me like if you know something that I that I feel it's important to do and I now want I now want to make a difference in a broader you know broader scale um but I think one of the things that psychedelics have really really done for me especially in the last couple of years is that um it's really distanced my my uh, myself from the idea that anything that I'm, I accomplish has anything to do with my legacy like I no longer care about a legacy in fact I'm, I'm much more interested in doing things um that are positive and that, that have a positive outreach and have and no one knowing that I had anything to do with it you know what do you mean by reach um, you know, a larger, a larger audience, influence, uh, influence, yeah. changing, yeah. Yeah. changing it, the world for the better, but not but necessarily how? getting the credit. What does that look like? Um, well, you know, I'm, I'm really passionate about this idea of, of changing porn from the inside out. And I, and, and to me, that's, that's going to be kind of like my, it's my, my, my life's goal, a bit of a thing. Um, but I, I would be, I, I would be really, really happy if I did all that and no one had any idea that it what was What does me. that look like though? Changing porn from the inside out. Oh gosh, good question, Kyle. Uh, I was going to ask that. Um, you know, so you so, so, so por- virgin podcaster. <laughs> but por- porn, porn has come such a long way, um, but it has a, a long way to go. And and, I, and I'm going to speak in generalities here. So there's there's a lot of exceptions to this rule. So I'm just just going to speak in generalities. Um, but in in essence, porn is still created um, from a, a kind of a, a top down approach in that um, people are exposed to uh, activities and scenes and scenarios um and that's a little bit of how their sexuality develops because that's what they have to watch right that's what they're aspiring to well and but the thing is that's what's available that's what's available but the things what's being produced is being produced because that's what sells right so it is a cyclical argument and um it doesn't necessarily reflect if from a you know real real you know like um, uh, you know scientific way or you know from a psychology way um, of of what all people fantasize about. How do you know that? Oh, I'm, I've looked a lot of data for it, and we also We're, have we I, also we also have a lot a, a lot of uh, of you know of our, our own statistics and stuff. Sort of, but we work in a very niche world, so I don't think I think our perception is kind of skewed. No, in no, that no, sense. absolutely. So and I think it's uh, just to push back a little bit. I think the market is scientific data like what sells sells well this is the thing is yes that's true but if you have a very narrow product mix right and people like okay here, here perfect example. Give me some examples okay. perfect perfect example is um you know breakfast cereal is is a very very popular thing in the united states right we in most grocery stores in the united states devote an entire aisle to breakfast cereal right breakfast cereal happens to be 
very popular in other parts of the world too, right? But most of the breakfast cereal, like at least the the like the wide array of things you can buy, is made in the United States and exported. Okay, or you know, like it's 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 smaller versions. People buy breakfast cereal in Europe, right, in large amounts, but the the average like you know amount of, of, of product like um, space like shelf space or or variety is very narrow and um, I had a, like a just a, a ridiculous conversation with somebody and I was talking to him. I was like oh you know my my favorite cereal isn't here and it was you know someone when I was living in Europe and they're like how many other cereals are there and I was like well there, there's there's a ton of other cereals are you kidding like there's an entire row in fact like when I got home I took a picture of it and sent it to this person and they could not believe it and they were like oh my god that is amazing how uh, I would I would love to be able to like try all these different cereals and you know that's obviously a, 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 a food analogy for something that that uh, how is this analogous to porn I'm gonna, sh- I'm gonna get there okay um, is that a lot of times people interact with porn um, through free sites through through tube sites right and so the array of things that they're exposed to, because they don't necessarily do the same type of searching, you know, they're just kind of displayed right up, is just what's currently culturally popular, right, or popular on that site. And so they don't often know that there are lots of other things to be exposed to. And, in, and usually, unless you have a kind of very specific interest or a specific niche, you don't go digging for it. And, I, and I've started asking these questions a lot, a lot of clients, a lot of, you know, other people. And I started digging up, you know, all the Pornhub statistics the X video statistics and there's a lot of stuff because we're because we're building in this like really advanced statistical model for the piece of software I'm designing and um, I I'm kind of astounded is that people will in fact glom on to the next big the, like the next big thing that's that's being displayed because they just didn't know that there was something was like oh my god there's a thing where the stepmom is pretending to do this or do that or whatever and and I, I, I you know obviously I don't have I don't have as much historical uh, data yet to draw that right. Well, from, clearly, it's the categories change with culture too. Culture yeah, is yeah. always changing, so people's fantasies are going to change along yeah. with it. And Steve Jobs would argue that people don't know what they want. Well, so, so talking about fantasies, one of the big thing that I really that I really think will have a a uh, transformative effect in porn is I'm kind of trying to build a system where people believe and feel like have access to be able to post their fantasies and their ideas for adult movies and have performers or other producers bid on making them and make it so that it's kind of a crowdsourced ability to um, you know essentially direct direct something I feel like that could go way no, down it, real it, no, no, so, so, so it's gonna be moderated right <laughs> sure. but but one of the things is that a lot of a, a lot of very esoteric weird things that I'm kind of like oh my god no one's gonna be into this thing I'm gonna make this video this guy's you know paid this for me this video whatever and I'll post it and it's more popular than than I thought and I feel like I'm I'm much more you know like plugged into like what things are popular and not popular and I'm like god fuck there's gonna be so many other things out there so like what? Like, uh, come on you know that's like all the all the weird stuff um, no we don't know there's like he's an audience of people that don't know the weird stuff okay. go on alright so so you know uh, god, like 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 the, the there was a guy who ordered this like weird pantyhose video for me right it was, it was basically like a nose fetish thing and he also wanted me to put pantyhose on my head and like and, and transform my nose and I was like I'm gonna post this fucking nose video what does it look like describe it um, okay so so a lot of it was like nose close ups like very 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 high def nose close ups and like looking at my nose hairs and he wanted me to pick my nose and, and like smush it from side to side and with pantyhose over your head and then and then to put pantyhose over my head and the pull hot. and then pull the pantyhose back so that it like pulled my nose up and he was like very much like I wanted to see the nose like a pig <laughs> and this. so I, I know you laugh right where um where can we find this video and how much is it uh I, I think my assistant cut it up um and it's it's in my store and I, I I I didn't put the pantyhose part of it in because I was irritated about it and it hurt and I didn't charge this guy enough um but I was like <laughs> such a princess I had to put pantyhose over my head I should have charged you five hundred dollars more for this I should have actually I mean, putting pantyhose over your head hurts I don't know how bank robbers do it anyway um, <laughs> so so I, I was like I'm gonna put this nose video up and no one is gonna buy this video right. and it was actually fairly popular <gasps> across a number of different platforms and I went and I looked and I was trying to kind of I was like, I was like oh, this is really interesting and found that it had a, a, a bit of a wide dispersion amongst other countries too and this just kind of got me thinking I was like okay this is a bit of an experiment, and again, it can go so many different ways. But so I got nosy and wanted to dig in. Yeah. So, so I was like, I was like, yeah. So I was wondering, okay, if you if you make if you make it a an open invite to someone to be like, 
I want you to, to conceptualize something you find sexy, right? Like you find sexual and write a script on it and then see it brought to life and then have other people also say, oh, wow, I, I also share this interest right. or, wow, that interest is really weird or, you know, maybe if you did this or maybe you did that so those, you know, it's just more collaboration or whatever. Um, what would that start to do to porn? And I specifically want to be able to do it so that um, there's a lot more emphasis on women being able to do that so that, because it's, it's a huge difference between what, what women women like to watch in porn and what men like to watch in porn, sure. and there and and the sometimes the scenes are, are similar, but the way it's shot and the nuances and things like that are very different. Hmm, like how so? Um, like women tend to um, not enjoy porn where the girl doesn't look like it's like where it looks really inauthentic from the girl, right? And where whereas most men, most men. Um, uh, most men can watch a porn in which that it's it's more body parts and less facial expressions. I, I, I feel like there's subtle, those kind of subtle differences, but there's also like ma you know major differences. Well, you know, women are, are are usually far more turned on by scenarios hmm. um, and and like intrigue and you know sexual like sexual tension and things like that. But so are men. It's just that that it's often stylistically done a little differently. And I'd love to see that the you know women consuming porn at the same rate that men consume porn but I'd love to see the porn kind of be homogenized in a way that you wouldn't know this is like like when you go to like Pornhub there's like a whole section on you know like porn made, you know, made just for women fuck this okay you know I don't, I don't ever watch any of that stuff I, lo I look at it and I'm like oh, God, it's funny how it? there's one category yeah that yeah. says made for women or like yeah. for women and then there's yeah, like yeah. 200 yeah. other categories with, 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 with this kind of like you know in, inference that the rest of it's yeah. just made for men it's like no no no. how about just made for people right, right? Um, but I'm just really curious Moving cords around, yeah. I, I'm just really, I'm just really curious to see, you know, what what that does. Well, it certainly impacts people. My friend Amy Baldwin, who I've had on the podcast a bunch of times, who's a sex therapist, talks about how she's like, look, I'm not against porn, but the fact that a bunch of young men are seeing their first sexual experiences by a dude just jamming his cock into a woman, yeah, fucking from the get go, getting going, is super disturbing and can destroy people's. Uh, view of healthy sexuality as teenagers because yeah. they have this horrible experience. He's like, she's like, try just putting it in and letting it sit there for a sec. Yeah, but here, here's here's the problem with this is that what a healthy human like sex looks like and what like sex looks like sure. you know when, when you're when you're with a partner and you're exploring or you're having the greatest sex of your life whatever does not look like porn right right and guess what most people don't want to watch porn that looks like the sex they have you want to watch porn that that ha that is some form of extreme or some kind of form of fantasy or it's something you know and uh, that's that's perfectly fine you know it's part of the reason that we, we like to watch movies that are extreme versions of our of, of lives right. right it's the same the same thing but it doesn't necessarily mean that we that we need to um, uphold porn as like the ideal for what sex looks like right. that, that that also needs to be uh, you know represented to young men you know that that it looks a little different how do you I, do that Oh, that's a whole other thing. That's that's that's, that's not yeah, my life's work. Sure. <laughs> well, I think we need to add port education to sex education. Oh, I, I agree with that. I yeah, think that's just, a huge part of it. Well, I mean, like our, our, our friend Mistress T wanted to do that. So, like, sex education is really lacking because there's certain parts of America that just want to do abstinence only, and so that's a big problem. Um, so we need to get past that first. Like, that's obviously a big hurdle. But then ideally is not only to talk about sex honestly, but talk about porn really honestly because mm -hmm. that is going to be you know, for boys and girls, their first exposure to sex. And just to push back a little bit, like, you can say, like, uh, porn doesn't look like the type of, doesn't look like real sex. Well, I mean, that depends. Some people do want to have sex like that, and that's okay. Yeah, of too. course. Um, but, yeah, it's it's not a, necessarily a, especially if you're first yeah. starting out doing porn, that's not a, I go to or super first, I go first to starting out doing porn. Sorry, I go to superhero movies, I don't necessarily want to be Spider-Man. <laughs> well, people want to have sex, it looks like that. However, you you know this, the, a, lot of the, a lot of the positions that you use in, in porn are, don't actually feel the best to either partner, and you know, there, there's the, you know, the length of time that things go on, the way things are lit, the, you know, the, the, the dialogue and all these things are, are, are usually very formulaic, and not necessarily the, the thing that's showing like a type of intimacy. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they, of course, cut out a lot of things. They mm -hmm. cut a lot, like switching positions and all that. Using lube. But again, like pushing back a bit, like 
I've been with a lot of guys that like think that the things I like to do is just like, oh, that's very like porny. It's like, well, it's, you know. No, I, I like I like porn sex too. We we've had you know we've had this conversation. I, I, what, I like, what kind of porn sex do you like to have? I, I like Alex. ridiculous, rough, aggressive, you know, <laughs> sex. Go yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. I, I, what, well, I, I, what do we cut out? <laughs> what, no, not what do we cut out from this podcast? This is all going. You gotta stop fucking playing host here. I'm the host here. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. She's Shanghai yeah, in your podcast. I know. I see this. I'm like, do I even need to be here anymore? <laughs> well, I'm going to go out. <laughs> we'll be back in an hour. Uh, what do they cut out in porn videos that we don't see as viewers? Um, well, like you said, like lube and then like switching positions. Like usually it kind of cuts from like reverse cowgirl to like doggy style and stuff like that. Or I guess if they do show those switches, it's very quickly. They, they, and they ne- they almost never, never show sexual communication. You know, where the, where the girl's yeah, like. Yeah, like, oh, I'm yeah. a little uncomfortable. Can we switch positions? Yeah, or, 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 or like, oh, like, you know, can you change this? Or like, or here, you know, move that spot. Or, oh, yeah, that, that that's perfect. Keep doing that thing, right? It's They're fucking uh, silent. It's a lot of... Well, like moaning and dirty talk. Yeah. Or like yeah. if there's anal, if there's any, you know, like, dirty like, dick, they're, you know, they cut that out usually. Absolutely. And like, well, and, and, and like, and our, our bodies are, are, are fairly gross things, right? And we often idol- have idolization of a very specific type of grossness in sex, right? And, and, and kind of cut out all the rest of it. Like, I mean, the, the cleanup part of sex. I would love, I would love if like the start, <laughs> the start, middle and end of sex looked, looked realistic. There's like this episode of Girls where um, I heard Lena Dunham talking about this episode and it's with um, the, what's her name? Allison, I'm thinking of the actress name. She plays Marnie. But there's this like sex scene with her and then after they have sex, she takes a paper towel and like wipes herself. I love that. And uh, Lena Dunham was like talking about that, like just adding that little part of like, you know, the the reality like that Realism. we all know of if we're like sexually active people, it's like, yeah, you know, you kind of have this kind of awkward cleanup period afterwards, but right. you don't see that not only in porn, but like movies and stuff as well. You also don't see um, intimacy in porn, and and this is this is really this is really really true in in uh, femdom, especially in like things that I do. Guys will conceptualize coming in for a session, and and they they want they want a very specific type of intimacy in order to act to like achieve the fantasy, but it's actually a huge lack of intimacy in order to to um, feel fear or to feel uh, this kind of cold callous you know way that you know dominatrix uh, would you know would, would treat her subject sort of thing and in porn we don't see intimacy building and you know all the studies show that m- the majority of people have much more pleasurable meaningful sex when there is a level of intimacy and you can have pickup sex in which you start to build intimacy and there's communication involved and there's you know like there's the, there's a lot of things with eye contact and things like that that you could that you could really could show in these in, in porn but they don't usually because most people are like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna fast forward through this bullshit right here, right? Like, like they, 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 they wouldn't, they don't get off to it. But yet, like we're talking about young people, their first examples of it. You know, there's, it, it, I feel like if there was, there was more emphasis on like this is a connection and this is why, um, then maybe they would start to see, oh wait, if I, if I much, if I develop an intimacy with a person and I can still have this kind of ridiculous hardcore sex or, or you know, whatever, you know, you know, bitch, I'm gonna put my dick in you, sort of thing. It might be more meaningful to them or more pleasurable. But then the problem is like we're separating like. This is porn. They're just trying to sell. You know, they're just trying to make money. And so they're not going to make money educating children. You know, their porn isn't meant for children. So it's it's hard to... What if there was, like, the Disney of porn? Like, parents that could give their kids a kind of, like, soft core. You know, there's a lot of eye contact. Where's a lot of the money in this guy, discussion? Hey, th- I, I, Someone I, said, where's th- the money in Disney? Th- 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 where's the there money? is money in Disney. <laughs> where's the money, money in that. Disney? <laughs> where's, where's, where's the money in, like, finding parents that want to like show per- their kids, it's like, like fancy porn? It's it's like progressive Santa Cruz moms who know that their kids are there, not going to the, be abstinent. There's money in everything. Come on, there was there was money. In no, there's pan- not money in everything. There was Bullshit. money in putting, putting pantyhose why over do, my head. Why are their businesses going like? Come on, like of course there's not money in everything. I'm saying there there is a way. To, if your to agenda a is to educate kids, you're not going to make as much money as just getting dudes off. Uh, yes, but but get, just getting dudes off is a huge industry, whereas education is a smaller industry. So where's it, the money coming from? I'm I'm saying if you if you create the uh, you know the demand or at least the, uh, the I you say, can't you, create a demand. You can't create, no, 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 no. You, but you create awareness and uh-huh. people go, well, you're right. That's that's a thing that I could I could definitely believe in. I don't believe in. Like, 
Uh, people you, put it out there for or free. Or is though. there a nonprofit that could do this? Exactly. It's going right? to be a so charity this, this thing. This is getting it's not into a larger like a... conversation of free market capitalism. Exactly. Like, I have a buddy who I went, uh, who I met uh, via Instagram, who gave me a ride up to Burning Man, and he shapes surfboards for paraplegic people who want to go surfing. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. And he connects with this nonprofit called High Fives and they take these people surfing. People who who previously even before their injury never knew that they could go surfing. And now he's pushing them in the waves. As a human, I want that to exist. Is there a market for it? No, but there should be a nonprofit for it. And I think yeah. that yeah. there could be this kind of thing for various aspects of porn. People say like, look, this isn't going to be making us billions of dollars, but it should exist for the morality of it. Yeah, well, so, exactly. So, so I, I'm going to push back on that. I'm going to say uh, one of the things that when I started doing um, femdom videos, um, I, I the majority of the, of the people in my videos that are men are my actual clients. And at first, we started doing this thing where we would cut out all the you know so-called boring dull stuff, and you know it was like you know me tying them up or me having communication or like you know the the cleanup portion or whatever, and just kind of keep in like the juicy bits and cut it like it was porn. And I made a, a kind of a radical decision, and I was like, you know what? Nope, I, w I want you to keep it in keep it in maybe discount it a little bit and i've had a lot of feedback from people mm -hmm. who watch it because they don't know what it's how to expect or what, how to expect on a, at a, at a professional session or something like that and and are like you know it was important for me to see that sort of stuff because you're right it's real and with and their their um you know take on it is oh wait that's real and they don't say you know what it's less sexy because there was because i felt because i got education out of it they don't they don't see it that way my question is after they buy that first one are they driven to buy more uh, are they just like, oh, my dick wants this so bad that I'm going to keep buying more footage like this? Or they're like, wow, that was really educational. And then they go on to buying more things that make their dick go off. And they keep that education well, that, in their mind and they, they well, keep I, that I, and then I, that's it. They don't, don't even learn I don't, anymore. I don't believe that the, that, that the um, primary motivation for buying porn should be this got my dick off. I believe that there's, there's, there's a, a much wider... It doesn't matter what you think it should be. It's rather <laughs> than what people are driven by. And, and I'm saying is that may, maybe my project will fail. It, it possibly could, but I have an ideology that that there is a that there's a bigger world beyond. I'm going to get off, then I'm going to feel shame, and I'm going I'm to click the close button, which is what most people do with porn. Hey, Martin Luther King didn't have half the people on his side when he came to prominence. You don't need that. It's like and he made this, killer porn. He made killer porn. Yeah. Like, there's definitely some <laughs> MLK okay, porn porn out there for <laughs> sure. Oh my god! I have a dream. Yeah, that my cock is going to go in your butt. Um. Yeah, but I think that that is an interesting aspect of change. Like, you need something like like eleven percent of people. There's this book that I uh, read called Switch: How to Create Change When Change Is Hard. It's all about creating social movements, which is something that I'm super passionate about. Mm, that's like a good book, and that's why yeah. you're making the big bucks. That's right? why I'm making the big bucks. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> you go into porn. They, they call it a passion project, not a not not a get rich project. Mm, yeah. Interesting. So you're agreeing with me then? Oh, I, I absolutely agree with you. I just I'm, when I say should, I don't necessarily mean I'm I'm looking forward to making millions of dollars off of this. In fact, I'm I'm specifically doing a project that I know is it, that I could make a whole lot more money doing other things on, but it's hard for me to do things I don't believe in. And so I'd rather do something that I get up in the morning and I'm like, fuck, I'm excited about this thing. And you know what? If it fails, fine. I'll find another way, way to do it. And if I only make an, you know, a 5% improvement in something, I'll take it. Fair okay. enough. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, once you have your basic needs met, why why go further? That's the trap that so many people get locked into. It's like, oh, I only made $500,000 this year. Oh, I made a million dollars. And it's just, you know, we were talking about fame, like chasing something that's receding away from you. There's also this this aspect of sickness of wealth where you're chasing something more and more and more. But once you have your basic needs met, we're at Burning Man. This is the fucking greatest example of this ever. It feels good to do good work. It does feel good to it do good. It feels work. good. But but there's often there's often um you know like, we have the conversation about what what opulent hedonism, you know, at, he, at Burning Man. There's there's a, lot, there's a lot of there's a lot of opulent hedonism mm -hmm. here, right? I mean, the, the 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 big thing that most people talk about is like, "Oh, man, there's so there's so much so many drugs at Burning Man." And it's like, "Yes, there is." But there's an awful lot of human experience happening here too. And what does that what does that teaching or giving someone, you know, I mean, we, we live in a westernized world where the majority of these people here will have, will never experience what it's like to actually go hungry or to live in a place where they're, where they're, they're worried about their safety or, you know, to be in a place where they, they couldn't get a loan for something, you know, like they're, they're, they're not, they're not living in, um, you know, the same place that many places and many, many people in the you know, rest of the world live in, but it doesn't mean that their experience isn't any more important. It just means that they come from a different background. So, 
I, I feel like to give them give people an opportunity to reach to do better is a good thing to do and I and like the way that a lot of education and stuff here is, is, is done at Burning Man I really appreciate as well as you know you can make a difference by just giving a gift to one person or just volunteering your time or just doing this and it doesn't matter you don't have to you don't have to reach you have to reach 11% um, you know you can reach you can reach just one person and still feel good about that have you always thought that way or is that something that like you you came to was there a kind of like a sickness in you early on like oh, this isn't right there's something more like you, you're uh, you're like the most uh, unassuming altruistic person I've ever met. <laughs> I, 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 like I would not, I would not see you as someone who you're like, I fucking believe in this. I'm trying to make the world a better place. No, but I, I can I, see it. It very much motivates. No, you. no. I mean, I, 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 I came from a world of struggle. You know, I, I grew up a good portion of my childhood without hot running water and uh, electricity. And my, I, my mother was an addict. Um, and you know, I, I, I'm, I, I mean, I came, I came from, from pretty, from pretty humble roots, but still my roots are, are still way way better off than so many people have you know in, in the rest of the world and so a lot of a lot of my developmental years I certainly didn't think about the world at large I was more concerned about my own you know like my own survival and it only became it only only happened to me is that once I started to realize that fuck I'm so comfortable like the first time that I remember going to a grocery store and I could buy whatever I wanted and I didn't have to worry about budgeting you know for my own groceries that was really transformative and it was like okay you know what all of, all of everything that I now have, now that I have enough, what am I doing with the rest of it? That's kind of where the altruism came from. It was like it was like okay, I, now that I've now that I've accumulated, you know, what what amounts to be wealth to the rest of the world, and essentially I haven't really accumulated wealth in you know as we would say in this country. Um, I wanted I just I, I, I didn't want to hold on to that feeling. So the altruism I think kind of kind of uh, cr you know came about in the last I don't know I would say less than ten years, five to ten years. It's also getting older. You, know, you get older and you're like, you know, looking around and you're like, oh, you know, I want to have some meaning in my life. Fuck, I think about legacy so much. Having a podcast and having people on who are doing interesting work all the time. And it, it, what I find is more interesting than what they've done is how they relate to their success. So much more telling about who a person is. And this idea of legacy and how certain people push back against that ideal, I think, is a really powerful one. Well, it's it's an ego trap too, right? I mean, there there's if you if you begin to identify so much with everything that you've accomplished or everything that you're trying to accomplish, that becomes becomes your identity, right? Oh. And um, you know, any every little you know uh, you know foible along the way begins to to knock at your sense of self. And so instead of feeling like, okay, well, you know, I am my work. Uh, instead of thinking like I'm I'm a, a vehicle for my work and if you know my, my vehicle breaks down we'll fuck it like, we'll repair it and we'll, we'll find another ride or I'll do something else and still feel like hey this thing that I'm, I'm, I'm aspiring towards is is a good lofty goal but the, but the reality of is is that in in the course of, of humans on this planet nothing we're doing here is gonna last right I mean even even the things that we're talking about like making huge sweeping changes and infecting our environment and like you know th these 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 are these are inside very very tiny finite lifespans you know of, hum of the human race and it's okay it's okay to to put that into perspective yeah david brower is a guy who uh he was this very well-known environmentalist he says uh when we win it's temporary when they win it's forever meaning that as like as an environmentalist you are losing oh, it's yeah. just yeah. about pushing back as best as you can, yeah, yeah, but I think that you need, to, yeah, but you need to have this very Taoist approach when you're, like, when I was with uh, Chris Ryan last week, we went down to Long Beach for this Greenpeace event, um, so they have this big fucking ship, and they go out, and they'll do things like, um, like, if there's a, uh, a green light to have industry be able to bottom trawl certain parts of the ocean. The Greenpeace boat will go in and they'll drop big cement bricks at the bottom of like badass work. And I met all, with all these people who have dedicated their lives to environmentalism. And it's so interesting to see the ones that give it their all, but still have that perspective. Mm -hmm. and it's so hard to keep. And I think that that's why I enjoy being around comics so much is because that their work is showing everyone else that perspective. Like, hey, guys, life's a tragedy. Yeah, life's a tragedy to those who think and a, and a, a comedy to those yeah. who... Or, no, sorry, sorry, life's a comedy to those who think, a tragedy to those who feel. Right. Yeah. And, and, and God, I, 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 I so believe in the power of humor in, in our culture and, and the way that it can explore dark places in the human psyche.
You're going to be a stand-up comic. I can feel it. Sierra. Me? Yeah. I'm not very funny, though. God, you're so fucking funny. Are you kidding? You are. Yeah, well, you, you have a very really? dry, dark sense of humor. That's true. I don't think I'm very funny, though. Uh, that's, that's why you are funny. Right. I don't believe you're funny. Oh, okay. Well, there's this element of, like, of seeing it, letting it go, and then not caring about it. Mm-hmm. Which, you, like, you can't, that attachment, that's why environmentalism isn't funny. It's because you care about it so deeply, you're trying to hold on. <laughs> oh, God. But, keep but, but, this polar bear around. It's, well, that's not it, funny to att- anyone. Att- attachment's what the root of all evil. That's the so the belief. secret to comedy is to not care? Uh, I think the secret to comedy is correct word structure and delivery. <laughs> yeah. And timing. timing. It's a craft, yeah. It's beautiful. It's mm. a beautiful craft. I yeah. love hanging out with comics. I go to open mic nights all the time and see people bomb and i'm starting to bomb now and it's so fun to to watch people um try and communicate in a new way it's like learning to it's like them learning a new language you know but isn't it a great experience to fail so good isn't it i mean like that's how you get good at anything yeah i mean i i I feel like i feel like the 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 more you run headlong into failure god the more things that that, that you fucking figure out about the world you know yeah and and, and about yourself and about other people i i I love watching people fail and um and not in like a short and far way but like in a in a way of, of being like what did okay what did what did you learn about it? people people talk about so I, I do a lot of relationship um counseling and and people talk about you know the shit that they that they've gone through or you know this failed relationship that or whatever they they hold on to that shit and i have to go like okay well instead of instead of holding on to whatever you just failed with you didn't actually fail okay like we have this concept of failure how about uh what did what did you learn out of it and a lot of times the people learn that they're going to avoid this thing that was painful. Like that's, that's, that's the, the, the learning, you know, that, that's a very human thing to do, you know, ouch, that hurts. So let's not, let's not step on that thing again. Right. Um, but in reality we, we can't, you know, like we're, we're going to, we're going to keep on hurting. We're going to keep on fucking up whenever. And I love to watch people who have figured out to elegantly fail and to just go, yep. Okay. That's not, not, that's not the way I'm going to do it next time, but I'm going to keep on doing it. I love that. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Then the our relationship with discomfort is what we can manage. I oh, was uh, says, says the guy who got the champagne in the last year. <laughs> what? 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 Who said that? I did. Um, I had I had a slightly profound experience recently. I um, I did ayahuasca a couple of weeks ago, and it was fucking. Was brutal, it your first time? Brutal. No, I do, I've done it um three times in my life. Okay. Um. Profound every time, but this time was difficult. Like what, nausea. Why, why do you think? Why do you think it was difficult? Uh, nausea, intense, deep, unable to move. Were the kind of nausea. First couple times difficult. Uh, not so much. No. Was it really positive or just kind of neutral? Positive, uh, slow, and calming. Okay. Not the kind of like frying on 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 mushrooms or LSD. Like felt like a like a deep lake. Like that kind of insight where it's like, mm-hmm. whoa, this is slow and this is taking a while to get to the bottom. Like okay. f- like free diving to the bottom of the lake. And be like, okay, here we go. And then you start diving down and then falling deeper and deeper into a weird aspect of yourself that I, I find uh, gives me more confidence to move through life in certain ways. Just like more confidence to like do so, something so like this. Like I'm a surfer having you guys on and like mm-hmm. love diving in these conversations. But so this, this, it, this was not so a lake. So it was, was not this, a lake. Was a no, this was a fucking, this was like a windy, stormy, turbulent sea. And I was d- like dying in nausea. And I had the thought to be able to dedicate the nausea to someone who feels nauseous all the time. Oh, and I have, a, yeah, and I have a, uh, a stepsister who passed away a number of years ago from cancer, and she uh, was nauseous for the last year of her life. And I thought, like, okay, I'm going to think about this nausea and dedicate it to someone else. And immediately it opened up, and immediately my relationship to that change. Well, of course, doesn't it stops being about you? Stop being about me. Mm-hmm. And it's so powerful when you can just let, when you, as you, as you say, can be a vehicle and let that, even as, if it's something as simple as an emotion, move through you. Powerful shit right there. Well, we, we talk about, you know, emotion processing. It's the same way. You know, the, the, only, the things that poison you is anything that you sit there and hold on to. But anything that, that, that you really, really struggle with, if you can find a way to connect to something outside of you or another person, 
you it becomes fairly transformative really very quickly we, we you know we talk about one of the best ways to, to overcome pain is to um, uh, figure out a way to be grateful for it you know and that sounds like that's kind of what happened right. happened with you yes yeah it was uh be, being, what, what was your ceremony like? Where did you, where'd you go? Uh, it was in like Santa Cruz Mountains. There was a shaman that came up from um, Colombia, and it was a two-night ceremony. Nice. So we went out, you did, did, did it. Ayahuasca and then San Pedro? No, it was ayahuasca both nights. Gotcha. Yeah, it's powerful. And also um, practicing it on a daily basis is powerful too. I think that it's really easy, especially in the world that I'm in, where there are a lot of people around me who do psychedelics, to just continue to say yes to that and want to see the view from the mountaintop as much as possible. But I think that it can slow people down. I've seen people who do too many psychedelics and it just, it, it, I can tell there's just a, a, a speed that yeah, slows it's, down. It's too much. If you, if you spend a lot too much time in abstract thought, you, you stop being part of the day-to-day world. All right. Michael yeah. Pollan talks about this in his yeah. book, um, how to change your mind, how like psychedelics, uh, give you this entropic feeling. So there's ego and entropy and he says, ego is really important because it gets the book written. But entropy is really important because it gives you insights that you're talking about. Like, don't have your legacy be too attached to you. Be able to change the world and not get any credit for it. And I think that so much good pragmatic change could happen if people weren't worried about getting the credit. So I, I'm, I'm going to probably do ayahuasca for the first time at some point this year. I was kind of, I had an offer to go to go. Uh, you know, a friend of ours is a, is a shaman and written a book about it. Um, and you know, he invited me to go do it um, basically the week after my documentary trip. And uh, I really want to go do it, but I'm, I, I'm tur- I've turned down that, that timing because I, I want to feel like I'm, I'm prepared for it. But I'll come in and I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I'll do one. I'll, I'll do another podcast after I've done ayahuasca. I'm really worried about it. And, and, it's, and, and I'll kind of share this. And I'll like get, your, get your feedback there, Sarah. Um, that, um, you know, I, I've done a lot of psychedelics and I have a really good relationship with them. Um, and... Um, you know, I'm also a fairly good relationship with my own dark places. Like I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't steer away from them too much. I try to just be grateful for what you know the things that make me up. But I'm a little worried that I would go into ayahuasca and I'm just gonna I'm gonna find a big fucking blocked box, you know, in myself. <laughs> ah, that I would, shit! I don't want to deal with that. Yeah, exactly. And I'm be like, nope, nope. Return to sender. You know, get this shit and put it put it away. Um, but you know, uh, how your your experience with ayahuasca was 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 not like that. If you have that fear, you shouldn't do it because that's what most people's ayahuasca experiences and that's yeah. why most people are driven to do it because they want to work out those things well, no, it's not a fun like for I, the most I, part I don't, don't want to be fun okay well then do it what are you scared of no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm scared that I'm going to open up a box that I was unaware of and I'm, I'm, I'm more uncomfortable with the idea that there, is par- there are parts of me that I don't know but because I'm afraid of it is exactly the reason I'm going to do it okay so there's just no problem then. yeah just do it um, no, I did this. I did ayahuasca a few years ago, and I was in a place in my life where I was probably like more depressed than I'd ever been, and I was really confused as to why. And um, I went to this ceremony with uh, my friend who's a shaman, and it was a group of about 30 of us, so it was a pretty big group. And I'd heard a lot of stories about people who had done it before, and how it's usually like this really, you know. It, everyone kind of has their own story and they'll tell you like, Oh, it's hard to explain. And it's different for every person. and It's different every time and blah, blah. But a lot of common themes that I heard was that, um, you get dragged through the mud. It's usually a very intense experience, usually very dark. It's usually like a lot of just painful and uncomfortable, but you come out of it feeling very liberated. So I was ready for it. I was like, all right, I'm super bummed right now. I'd like to figure out why. So like bring it on. And, um, I did it and I ended up having like the most like joyful, blissful experience I've ever had. Like I was giggling and like laughing the whole time. And it was funny because like there was a, again a group of 30 of us. And so I was with in a room full of people puking and crying and getting rushed to the bathroom. And I'm just like, <laughs> like I was just like, I just thought it was so funny. I was like, we paid $400 to be here. Like, this is hilarious. And like, I felt just overwhelming waves of like gratitude and bliss. And, um, I just had a totally different experience from everyone else, except one other guy. Like there was me and one other like older man that like, we were the only two out of 30 people who didn't throw up. 
um Why you do you know, think your didn't was like cry that? didn't um didn't have like a you know a hard time with it like the whole time we're just we were laughing like we thought it was funny we thought it was joyful and like so um i don't know why all i know is that it's different for every person it's different every time and like kyle just you know said that like you know his first couple times were like intense in its own way but it wasn't until the third time that it was really like dark so who knows like it th- th- there is a a quote and like i'm just not I- i'm not into the woo-woo shit i'm not a hippie and like so the thing that I kind of struggled with a little bit with the ceremony was the like traditionalness behind like these weird little like rituals that we did that I was like okay fine I'll go through the motions but like I don't really like believe in it and like the way they would talk about it oh it's medicine I'm like yeah whatever it's a drug and um one of the sayings that they said which it's a little silly but it's kind of appropriate for me was that uh it gives you what you need and I was very depressed at the time and so to have an experience where I just felt very grateful and was thinking about the people in my life that I was so fortunate to know and just to be sitting there laughing at people puking and crying around me like that's, that's kind of what I needed yeah. yeah so has that stuck with you a little bit yeah it was it was kind of a weird time because it was like it, it did feel like a reset afterwards and um without going too much into it, I, I just had like this, these relationship with, with this guy. And, um, after I had that experience, like it felt really good. And then something else dramatic to happen between me and this guy. And so it kind of put me back in that place. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's hard to say. I would like to do it again. Cause I really like psychedelics and that was definitely different than anything else I've ever done. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's it's something else, psychedelics, you know? Should be legalized, that's for sure. That's I the reason agree. I talk about it. If I fucking agree. hiking did this for people and hiking was illegal, I'd be talking about hiking all the time. Mm-hmm. It's silly that totally. it's a Schedule One drug and it's considered highly addictive and to have no medical benefit. Well, that's the thing. Like, I, you know, you like I just described this very, like, unique, fascinating, kind of life-altering uh, substance. And... and I'll go back a little bit. Like, I remember after we all did it, we kind of sat in a circle and talked about our experience. And, like, everyone was just, like, it was amazing. Like, I saw people that were crying and just looked like they were going through so much trauma. And then afterwards, they are just like, oh, my God, I don't feel shame anymore. Oh, my God, this lifted. Or, oh, my God. You know, it was very powerful for all these people. But here's the thing. Like, I did that two years ago. And I've kind of been playing in my mind, like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it again sometime. Obviously, it's not addictive, you know? As powerful and amazing as it is, like I wasn't like I gotta do that again tomorrow. Let's do it. I'm Jonesing. No. No. no, I gotta connect with my dead stepsister to make it through this experience. I wanna fucking do that again. Woo! Exactly. Epic. Like so. Shit. Yeah, it's very silly that these things are, or even like things like um, ecstasy, like that are very powerful for you know a couple's therapy and stuff like that. And you can, you know, most people have just amazing blissful experiences when they do that. But the next day, they're not like, oh, God, do it again. You yeah, know? I can't wait for this. I mean, and, and, and a lot of these drugs also, you know, you, you build tolerance for them so fast, you really can't yeah. do them that often. Well, it's happening. Psilocybin's going into phase three trials at John Hopkins. John Hopkins. What does uh, that mean? Uh, it means that they're basically getting fast-tracked to become prescription drugs. So in it'll a few it'll years... Be, it'll be 10 more years, though, at least. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, that, maybe, well, maybe, quickly, maybe less, though. though. Yeah, I mean, and if if you go to Walgreens and you pick up your little white bag of psilocybin mushrooms, the risk profile on that is going to be lower than basically any other antidepressant that is out there now. There Absolutely. was just a. Do you think that's what it will be prescribed as an antidepressant? I think it'd be antidepressant. I think that also with uh, counseling sessions, it could be for addictions. There P- was PTSD. Rec- PTSD. Yeah, there was recently a study done at John Hopkins where they got groups of smokers. This is uh, in Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind. Um, people who had tried to quit smoking and failed numerous times. And they did a few psychedelic sessions with psilocybin and a counselor. That's a big part of it, your mindset and setting. What do you want out of this? Where are you? Is Are you in a place where the change can occur? And they got um, an 80% success rate, people who wanted to quit smoking. And then after the first six months, it dropped to 67%. But the most effective drug on the market right now is called, uh, I think it's called Valas- Valaserine. And there's a 32% success rate of that. Do you know what the, um, the, the study, what the pool of participants was? I have no idea. 
really curious to find that out. Yeah, yeah check it out. You guys are fucking great. Um, I, it's it's pretty hilarious that we like. I don't want to say I have nothing in common with you, but we come from such a different worlds. But I think that we I, I uh, identify with a lot of the mindsets that that you both move through the world with. It's very uh, bold and. Um, experience-oriented, both very experience-oriented people, and I appreciate that about you. Well, we, we also should show up in the you know the middle of the desert together, and uh, I feel like I feel like that that says a lot about the person that you are. So I think it's it's easy to find a, a, a common a common theme. Thanks, Kyle. That's nice. Yeah. Sierra Lynch, you, Alexandra Snow. Can I can I plug something? Sure. Okay, I have a podcast, and it's called Standard Deviation, and that's all I want to say. It's very it dope. Out. I like it. Cool. And anything, you guys both have documentaries coming out, so yeah. we, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll share I'll, your social media and stuff at the my, end of my, this my, so people can yeah, follow my, that. My, my documentary's not coming out until Sundance 2020, so there's nothing really to plug Oh, it got accepted for Sundance? Oh, yeah, yeah. Big okay. things. Yeah, it's already it's in been, high it was, places. Yeah, it was, pretty, it was, already, it was some kind of pre-acceptance. I'm sure there's, there's other things they have to do, but yeah, it's already, it's already been slated for it. Cool. Rock and roll, ladies. Thank you so much. That's our show. I'm going to play you out with a song by Dirt Nasty called 1980. Once again, this is an ad-free podcast, so I rely on listeners like you to make a donation. Even just a few bucks a month really does help. You can click the link below this episode where I say buy me a cup of coffee on Patreon, or you can head over to my website, kyle.surf. If the idea of spending an extra 5, 10, maybe 15 bucks a month on this podcast stresses you out, I am not talking to you. Do not worry about it. Just keep listening to the show. Share it with friends. Write a, a rating on iTunes, review on iTunes. Uh, that helps me get bigger guests, but don't worry about it. If you can spare an extra few bucks a month, thank you. I really appreciate it. But more than anything, just keep listening. Love getting all these messages from you. You guys are a, a super cool group of people, and I genuinely enjoy bringing these, these episodes to you every single week. So, with that, hope you enjoy this song by Dirt Motherfucking Nasty. Love you all. See you soon. What happened to your queer party, friends? I got a gold chain. I'm on cocaine. I'm like, yo, man. Straight from Oakland, holding my dick like a U.S. Open trophy. What up to high feet? Y'all don't know me. Dirt nasty, ass cheeks, spread wide. G-string to the side. One drink, Cavassier. Two drink, vodka straight. Three drink, I'm in the sink. Throwing up on my brand new mint coat. And I'm doing coke. Y'all can't hold my donkey road. No, call the pole. Pray for me. Go Rolls Royce with your lady. I live through the 80s. And shit was crazy Everybody wanna know my name Bring the pain and pop the champagne Every girl wanna hold my chain When I fuck their brains out on the bus Got a gold chain Like Morrissey on Hennessy on Christmas Eve. No, not more like Morris Day on Hella Yang, dressing gay. I lived through the 80s and shit was crazy. Everybody wanna know my name, bring the pain and pop the champagne. Every girl wanna hold my chain when I fuck their brains out on the mask. Got a gold chain. Stop paging me.
stop paging me. Tell your girl to stop paging me.